Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show, the number one talk show in St. George, starring Andy Griffin. In case you hadn't picked up on it, that's a kind of a takeoff on the theme to the Andy Griffith show, where you have the guy come in and starring Andy Griffith and Ron Howard as Opie, and yeah, so walking along but, uh, the road, yeah, with fishing poles, fishing and- hole. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm Andy Griffith. Thank you for joining me today. It is a uh, Wednesday, and uh, I've got uh, in studio today Kevin Lewis, the director of the Greaters Iron Tourism Office. Uh, we have not forgotten about Open Line. In fact, if you want to call and uh, talk with us today uh, on, uh, well, the first few minutes, we'll kind of do an Open Line format, and then we'll get into some uh, more business and interesting things uh, to do with tourism uh, at the bottom of the hour. It's about 11 minutes after 9 right now, and uh, already we have a caller. Uh, 673-5890 is the phone number if you want to check in. 673-5890. What's on your mind today, Seth? Hi, uh, the information I'm going to impart this morning came from Dr. William Mount, an ambassador who has uh, many, many uh, postings on YouTube, and he put up a story in the last few days, I don't know exactly which day it was, but I believe it was over the weekend, that Governor Herbert and like 30 other governors wrote a letter or signed on to a letter to bring uh, bus loads or plane loads of uh, black Muslim people from the Congo. Now, the Congo is a place where there's a, a disease called Ebola. Mm-hmm. Heard of it, And sure. that some people, I guess one woman came across the border went into convulsions and died in front of the medical staff. Ouch. So Now, I'm wondering if we should encourage tourism and that we have busloads of people who potentially have not been screened medically. I don't know whether they are or whether they are not, but at least we have one woman who's coming across the border and claiming refugee status died in the presence of the... Uh, Border Patrol and the medical staff. He was obviously sick. So are, these are these are refugees, not just tourists or visitors. These are people that are going to claim refugee status and try to live here. Yes. Now let's take the average Social Security person, retired in Southern Utah, with maybe twelve hundred. I'm talking about per individual, um, twelve hundred dollars a month income. Right. And if Doctor Mount has stated the numbers correctly. He says a refugee status gets $5,000 a month Five, per person. 5000 Maybe I had declared me a refugee. <laughs> yes, Holy I smokes. think I'm a refugee in Central, like Siberia, you know. But yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm very concerned about this and this, you know, supporting ideas where uh, in Europe where these people ended up, yeah, huge numbers of people from Tunisia and and other Muslim countries have sort of taken over the government. Uh, my son was there, and, and he uh, told me he served a mission in France that there were places that uh, uh, they didn't allow the missionaries to go, no-go zones. Hmm. And those no-go zones were uh, Shia or uh, Muslim populations, four or five hundred of them. Wow. Now, 
I wonder if maybe um, Washington or Ivins would like a, a you know a fifty or hundred, and and so they've opened the door, and I think they're looking at this refugee status money. Yeah, well, if if that's true, if it's that much money, who could blame them, right? Uh, well, of course, uh, when I went through this immigration uh, service. Uh, uh, I had to certify that uh, my wife would uh, is disease free and she's not going to create a problem, uh, along with all kinds of uh, uh, immigration and uh, photo IDing and uh, fingerprints and um, facial scanning and all kinds of things, expenses involved sure. to certify that this that this person who's going through the legitimate um, immigration system is not uh, bringing diseases or a culture that is counter to the culture in this country. Now, so, a, l- let me ask you, where, where can we learn more about about what you're talking about? Because this is interesting to me, and, you know, I, I'm skeptical, of course. I want to know if this is true. I want to find out, you know, about the money, number one, and about what you said with the immigrants and their health statuses, and if all this is actually happening. Uh, I can only tell you at this point I haven't. I've been um, detained and, and not able to uh, participate, and so I haven't had a chance to verify it. But Dr. Mount uh, uh, has, uh, and I'm aware that the president is seeking out uh, places. Now, I guess under the previous uh, administration, they were doing the secretly in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Trump has asked the states, do they want to participate in this kind of program? And uh, and you're saying our governor said yes? Yes, along wow. with many other governors, and, and uh, uh, Mount showed an entire list of people who have responded in uh, to the affirmative. Now, that dog, you say Mount, is it M-O-U-N-T, like the mountain? Yeah, William Mount, he's an ambassador, ex-military, uh, combat engineer, Corps of Engineers. Okay, well, let's let, let us do some research on that, Seth. Maybe we can maybe we can talk about this uh, later this week or next week, and when I, when I've learned a little bit about it because it's very fascinating. Very good, sir. Thank you, Seth. Thank you. It's at nine sixteen on News Radio ninety four nine eight ninety KDXU. I mean, it's very troubling if all that is true. Uh, as with any, and I told my wife this all the time. So read something on the internet and said, "Did you hear this?" And <laughs> I say, "Honey, you've got to understand that the internet is full of uh, agendas." Got to vet it out. Yeah, yeah for pe- sure. People leaning one way or the other. Uh, know, but I'm very fascinated about this. I know that uh, our governor, uh, lieutenant governor, and that have been fairly uh, open about their willingness and, and openness to Utah being supportive of refugees and and being one of the places where sure you know we we can. Uh, help those that are in need, and, and we want to be open to do that. I've, I've I've heard that you know language, so this may have some connection to that, but I don't know. Like you say, you got to vet it out. You know? Well, and I will say this: I'm not anti-immigration. I'm not anti-people seeking a better life, mm-hmm. even here in my neighborhood. You know, I'm not one of those not in my backyard right. kind of guys, but. The two things that really trouble me that he brought up was number one, are they, you know, did they follow the proper steps so that they're, you know, we don't have those diseases coming into our country? And number two, really $5,000 a month? That, yeah. I, I hope that's wrong. Yeah. I hope that's not correct because <laughs> I'm going to go immigrate somewhere if they're paying that. That's, that's pretty good money. There you go. Let's go back to the phone lines. Caller, you're on with Andy. Uh, Kevin Lewis with me this morning. What's on your mind? Good morning, Kevin. Good morning, Andy. Morning. Uh, Andy, did you uh, get the. Uh, a couple of emails that I've sent you. One was a video of Ezra Task 
Taft, Benson, and the other one was a uh, written three pages of Ezra Taft, Benson, on the proper role of government. I, I did get the emails. I have not watched the video. I have uh, skimmed through the uh, the literature but haven't finished it yet. I will say this. I've been pretty crazy busy with all these live remotes. But, yeah, it's fascinating stuff. And uh, I think Mayor Pike is going to be on tomorrow, and I know he'll have some, some things to say about that as well. Well, I certainly hope he's taken the time to look at it because it, it is something that – uh, that we need to talk about, you know, the, the issue that that Seth just brought up about these, uh, uh, you know, immigrants coming in and uh, you know tourism, Kevin, uh, you know the the department that you're in and you head up. Uh, I think before we talk about any of these issues, we have to ask the question first: What is the proper role of government? And I think Ezra Taft Benson lays it out as good as anybody I've heard. Uh, it's based on the founding uh, principles, and it's uh, it's really common sense. But if we're not going to have a uh, a common understanding of what the proper role of government is, then where we find ourselves is whoever happens to be the mayor, whoever happens to be the president or the governor, gets to decide what that is. And I think that's very dangerous. That's how we wind up with what we are today with having the government being being hundreds of trillions of dollars in debt because we continue to fund things that are not within the scope of the government. And so, Andy, I would like very much for you to – I realize you're busy. We all are. But Mm -hmm. I think this – and maybe you don't share this view. I think it's probably the most important question we need to ask next before we start talking about some of these other things. Uh, The referendum, for example, the state just added a bunch of taxes. Are are those – is that the proper role of government – to collect money for a haircut. And what are they doing with that money? See, this goes back to the very basic question, and this should be asked by every politician. Every uh, public servant should ask this question before they uh, try to limit our rights or they try to spend our money. Is this the proper role of government? What, uh, what would you say are some of the key points that he brings out that are the proper role? Uh, can, you, can you highlight those for us? Oh, sure. Life, liberty, and property. Uh-huh. Uh, the, the government's role, and this is Ezra Taft Benson speaking. This isn't Steve McFarlane's, although I agree with it. This is, uh, this is the, the prophet of the Mormon church who has said this, not, not me. And basically what it, it uh, details is that the proper role of government is to protect our lives, to protect our liberty, and to protect our property. And that can be demonstrated in a lot of ways. And, Andy, please share the, the article with uh, Kevin. Hezri says it way, way better than I can. He's, he's holding <laughs> it right now, as a matter of Got fact. my hand. The basic premise of it is, is who created the government? The people? We did. That's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. The, the people came first. The people created the government. And therefore, the government cannot have any greater rights than you and I do. I don't have the right to come and take your property, Andy, even if you have more and, and I want it. I don't have the right to do that, which also means that the government cannot have greater rights than we do. Hmm. And yet the government will come and take your property all day long and give it to somebody else without your permission, without your authority. The proper role of government is to protect our lives to protect our liberty, and to protect our property. And that's pretty simple. And a lot of the things, for example, this immigration was brought up earlier. Is it the proper role of government 
to bring people into our country, and I realize it hasn't been determined the, the, the amount, if they're getting paid, but we know that immigrants come in our country all the time. Yeah. Look at um, Minnesota, where I came from. The Somalia population there has just completely exploded, and most of this is possible because of state uh, welfare programs that help uh, people get established uh, within our country. But is that the proper role of government to take your money and give it to someone else? I say no. And so does Ezra Taft-Benson, by the way. Yeah, it's, well, I, you know, the thing is, though, is, is there's some lines there. It's like, okay, where do we draw this line? For instance, uh, you know, Medicare. Um, you know, should, should we be in Medicaid? Should we be taking care of our poor? Is that is that the role of government? Because yes, I can... we should be taking care of our poor. But the question is, should we be taking money from from person A and give it to person B? Should the government be the instrument that does that? Of course, we should take uh, take care of each other. How about using the Mormon Church as a as an example of that? Mm-hmm. The Mormon Church helps many many people, but they don't give away free stuff. There are, there are requirements that if we're going to help you, you're going to help back. You're going to contribute to the community in some way, form, or fashion. We don't just hand out checks. And, and I think, you know, what you're saying has been highlighted in, certainly in, in current society by a lot of people who would rather uh, fake a disability or, or, or just not get a job because, hey, the government's going to pay me more if I don't work. And it's just like you said, Andy, why wouldn't you take $5,000 if they're going to mm-hmm. hand it out? Mm-hmm. The, problem, the problem is we have gone down this road for so far that people no longer feel guilty about receiving something for nothing. True. Charity is now expected rather than, than uh, given as a gift from one person to another. It is stolen from person A and given to person B at the threat of a gun or the threat of jail. And that's why this question of what is the proper role of government must be answered next before we talk about any of these other things, because we're so far off course that now anything and everything is acceptable. And yet, if you go back to our founding principles, which were very solid, and by the way, uh, I believe uh, it was it was guidance provided provincially by by uh, by God. And there are fundamental uh, values and principles that will last uh, into eternity if we would simply return to them and follow them. All right, Steve. Got to get to some other callers. Good point. We'll talk about this more as we get the mayor on as well. Thanks for talking today. Good to talk to you. All right, let's go back to uh, line three now. Caller, you're on with Andy and with Kevin. What's on your mind this morning? Would that be me? That's you. (laughs) Okay, um, back to what Seth said on $5,000 and uh, the last caller. Um, I took a picture on May 5th of 2019 mm-hmm. over here in Laverkin of four government shuttles. They say Cervico de Transport Shuttle El Mexicano 520-988-4075 Nogales, Tucson, Phoenix. I tried to talk to the drivers. I heard them talking about uh, the park up here, Zion Park, and then I tried to talk to them, and suddenly they couldn't speak English. But they have um, a U.S. DOT 169-5027. Their government, their government, it's the U.S. government who brought up these vans hold, what, 16 or 18 people? Mm Mm-hmm times four is uh, 
sixty something. Yeah. Uh, at five thousand dollars a person, and somebody is housing them up there in Springdale or Rockville. Something's going on. Really. But suddenly they wouldn't speak English, even though I heard them. Hmm. Because I was questioning, why are these four bands here? This is May the fifth, two thousand and nineteen. When the when the big surge was going on, and they were moving these people everywhere that they could. That, do you know? So I've got pictures. I've got pictures of this. I got pictures of the band, and I've got uh, one U.S. Department number on one of them. I yeah. didn't take pictures of all four of them. So, and where was it at exactly in Springdale? It's at the Maverick in Laverkin on the oh. road. Mm-hmm. Up to you know, just return and go up to Rockville and Springdale. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, so um, they they wouldn't have coming, but they wouldn't be coming back from Salt Lake and take this. No, that's, off that's out of the way. Yeah. And, and they wouldn't be going up the Salt Lake that way. They could only be going one part one way, and that would be up that Rockville Springdale area. Hmm. All right. That's a lot of people. It is, and it you know, doesn't make any that's sense. That's a lot of people times five thousand dollars. That just shocks me. Yeah. Do you think the two are connected? Is that what you're suggesting there? Do I think what? That the that the two stories are connected. The uh, you know a, a group load of people in vans connected to a refugee well, program. Seth is saying that this is a this is a new thing that the governor has signed off on. And it's just going to start to happen. I'm saying back in May 5th, 2019, it's right here on my iPhone. It was already going on. I guess I'm just, I'm just, uh, and maybe I missed some of the information that you've got, but trying to, trying to find the connection to the two. Um, you know, the, the, the fact that we've seen vans in this county that have, you know, people not from this area, um, does that automatically link it to a refugee program? I'm, I'm not sure I'm making the connection. Yeah, or, or perhaps. It, of course, what else could it be? It says. Well, the, the crazy you know, thing is that, that it's government vehicles. That's the thing that, that's confusing to me, that they're using Shuttle. U.S. government vehicles. If they were tourists, wouldn't they be in rental vans they, or no, something like that? No, they're not U.S. government vehicles. Well, I don't know. You have to have a, uh, I don't know. You have to have a, why do you have a U.S. DOT number on the, painted on the front of the van? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. We'll have to we'll have to invest investigate further on that. Thank well, thank you for the call today. That's very very fascinating stuff and we we were just handed some information about uh about uh this is from the Tucker Carlson show uh and he said that uh President Trump uh when he won the election he signed an executive order allowing cities and states to opt out of refugee resettlement. However, says Carlson, for some reason, no Republican governors are taking advantage of that, noting that 18 GOP governors so far have explicitly requested that more refugees be sent to their states. The list, of course, you got uh, Arizona, Arkansas, Idaho, but right at the very bottom, Gary Herbert yeah. of Utah. Yeah, I'm, that's what I was referring to earlier, that I've, I'd heard that, the, that they ha- they're welcoming the opportunity to... You know, be open to the those that are in need, the refugees. It's you know, it's a weird thing as as a Christian. You know, as, I mean, we want to open up our hearts and help people, but at the same time, you look at what has happened in some other countries, and I've you've seen it around the world where they come in and they don't assimilate to the to to the society. They expect the society to, to assimilate to them. Right. 
and uh, some really bad things have happened. I think France, you know, the caller earlier was talking about France. There have been some really bad things happened in France because of that. So, all right, let's go back to the phone lines. Caller, you're on with Andy and with Kevin. How are you this morning? Pretty good. How are you? Good. Got to go to weather in about a minute. What's on your mind? All right, real quickly, I can help solve a little bit of this mystery of the bands and stuff. Okay. When Mike McGarry was still a radio host, we determined that the that the band story had just began, and that it would progress, and people would bring it up later. That was just before the Mandalay Bay attack. There was episodes and things that happened in St. George that need to be back on the surface um, and looked at, such as President Trump, who wasn't president, was in town, and um, his sidekick that did the news, Huckabee. She was in court in town. Things happened. Something happened on I-15 to Mr. Trump and his family. There's mysteries in the air, and some of these mysteries are coming with people investigating, and such as Wayne here under this medical roof following certain mysteries, and it's getting better, trust me. All right. All right. Thanks for the input. We do have to get a weather break in here. Uh, the show is ter- taking a turn for the weird a little bit. Uh, I, I expect George Norrie from Coast to Coast, or Art Bell maybe, to come back from the dead uh, but with all the mysteries. Welcome back. This is News Radio 94.9, 890 KDXU. I'm Andy Griffin. Got Kevin Lewis from Great Desire and Tourism with me today. And, you know, we, we got talking a little bit about the health of refugees. And that got me thinking about what about the health of tourists? I mean, we obviously, Zion National Park, we get people from all over the world. And, and who can blame them? It's an incredible place. Uh, what responsibility is there uh, to those travelers coming here? Uh, to make sure that they're healthy enough to be in the United States. You know, I think it's it's like any of us who travel as well. You know, we have to have the proper credentials and mm-hmm. whatever to get on planes and to go across the country or across the seas or whatever, um, your visa requirements and, and all of that. Um, so, you know, I think they're taking, you know, those kinds of steps. Are they strict enough, do you think, Dan? But, uh, you know, there's um, there's... There's nothing that tell, you know tells me. Uh, yeah, I went to Europe last year. You know, mm-hmm. I have my passport, and that's what I needed to to get on a plane was a passport. But I take care of myself and and travel responsibly, and you know, yeah. um, so I, I think that's you know there 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 are processes in place to mm-hmm. qualify people to move around the country and and. In yeah, the world, do, yeah. Yeah, we do the best to do that. Um, we had an outbreak of measles in Samoa just uh, just this last, just a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, measles is one of those that's not a required vaccine in a lot, of, a lot of parts of the world. Are you required to get a measles vaccine to come here? I don't know. I don't know that, Andy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I... I just not schooled in that. <laughs> okay. Well, it's it's a fascinating topic. Something maybe we can look into and, and talk about next it certainly time. Certainly is. But but you're right. I mean, we are a huge international destination. We're a huge uh, national and regional destination. And tourism tourism is big uh, for our economy, big for our livelihood, and uh, you know where we're where we're heading. Lots of good things going on from that respect. And we have the world coming here. Uh, next year, we can say that now, yeah. next year, because yeah. it's 2020 now mm-hmm. uh, with the Ironman Worlds. Tell us uh, a little bit about what's going on with that right now. Well, we had a really uh, exciting day yesterday. Uh, we had our first local organizing committee meeting, kind of a kickoff meeting. And How big uh, was that? It was, it was fantastic. You know, we, we, we've kind of broken this up into all the major um, committees that need to, need to ha- you know, pull together to make this happen. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so each committee. Let's turn your mic towards you a little bit. There you go. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, sorry about that. I step back and start, you know, get get you my got, hands got in the motion going. when I start my, talking. My about father this. father in law, who's one hundred percent Italian, cannot ta- talk if you hold his hands down. He can't. He, he just physically can't speak, can't speak. Right. So <laughs> maybe, maybe you're part Italian. I'll lean into it here. But uh, so we have all the committee leaders, and the, and they invited some of their key people. We we had sixty people. Wow. At the meeting yesterday, these are all volunteers, people from the community who want to be a part of this exciting event because it is such a, a major thing. And mm-hmm. and I think the thing that I'm seeing. Andy is, you know, 60 is, I was, I was thrilled. I mean, my heart pumps when I see that kind of uh, spirit, but we take 60 now and the next time I want, we want 600, right? Yeah. And then 6,000. And by the time the thing gets here, we want 60,000 of our community residents involved in this event. That that's how big this thing is. This is like the Olympics for us. This is the biggest event that will ever come, has ever come to this area Wow! Uh, from a global stage. Um, we were in uh, at the uh, World Championship in Nice, France last year. They had 110 different countries represented. So you talk about people coming wow. from all over the world. Yeah. There's only 170 countries in the world, I think. So 110 of them represented in this event. Um, we'll have we'll have close to 7,000 athletes alone involved in that, plus all the uh, the additional participants. And I, I had some fun. You know, you start to, you say 7,000, what does that mean? Well, if you line those folks up from Bluff Street on Tabernacle and go all the way to River Road, you'd have you'd have all of the athletes that are participating in this in a, in a single file line wow. all the way from Bluff Street to River Road. And uh, and then when you think about this this visitors that they're going to bring with them the the, the support crew family and family and friends yeah. and all of that uh, close to twenty five thousand people probably in town that line would go from the dixie center to tuacon so oh, wow. that gives you just a little bit of perspective of of the numbers of bodies that are going to be in here uh, for that event and each of them bringing in you know their passion their enthusiasm their excitement to see this area and this place that, that we have and and with that comes the uh, economic impact, the, the dollars that come with them um, to put not not into my coffers, <laughs> although, you know, we, we will collect some tax revenue out of their hotel stays when they mm-hmm. stay in, in uh, hotels, then there's a portion of the tax that comes back to help support and market and promote tourism. But the rest of that impact, $25 million in economic impact, is going into this community. It's not going to the government. It's not going to, you know, some business or organization. It's coming into the community and the businesses and the people that live here offsetting the uh, the tax responsibilities that they have, uh, you know, reducing their, their household taxes because there's other monies coming in from right. visitors. So that's the beauty of this, and, and it, it puts us on a worldwide stage and uh, allows us to, to showcase what we really have and who we really are. I had two questions to do with that. One of them is very superficial. What do the winners get on these world championships? Uh, they, is there some big giant check they get? They get a decent uh, prize purse. You know, I, honestly, Andy, I, I'll have to I'll have to go back and find out exactly what the world championship prize like ballpark is. like fifty grand or, or yeah, it's you know, probably like in that? the in the twenty five to fifty grand. Uh, okay. you know, so it's a it's a good chunk of change. I think uh, I think in our race, um, our North American championship, it's around the ten grand level. So mm-hmm. the world championship is going to be, you know, more more yeah. than that for yeah. sure. Um, they're getting the prestige of being, the, you know, the, yeah. the probably biggest. get endorsement deals tied to that yeah. and things like Sponsor, that, sponsorship so. and things like that. So, um, and, and those elite athletes, uh, the the pros, you know, you got a field of 
uh, probably 90, 100 of, of those coming in. And then, uh, and then the rest of the field is filled out with people like you and me. Who Not have, me. <laughs> <laughs> but who have uh, put their heart and soul into training and, and gone to races around the world and competed mm-hmm. and qualified to be in a world tournament. And then they take that qualification wow. and come across the world to experience it. The other question I had uh, has to do with water here. You know, you had to be very interested in what was going on if Lake Powell Pipeline was going to be a reality because in order to bring events like this to St. George, St. George has to continue to grow and has to continue to be at least what it is or or more or these events aren't going to come and, and that would yeah. make your job nearly impossible. Yeah, yeah no, we're, we always have to be looking a, a, ahead at what, what's mm-hmm. coming and I, I think that's sort of been you know, my, I guess, mantra is, you know, what, what can we do with the tourism that we have to create a better experience for the future, for our kids, for the people that live here, the people that come here, uh, to, to make it a better situation for both the residents and the visitors that come. And, and so that's how I try to try to look at things is, is you, know, you know, what do we need? What are we going to need to progress? And it's not, it's not just to bring visitors here, but it's for our residents, right? It's what do we need right. to, su- to sustain the quality of life that we have and then implement those things that will help us generate the revenues and the, and the infrastructure that we need to, to do that. I think these uh, major events become key players in that. And, and, and in, the, uh, in the kickoff meeting yesterday, I was talking, and I said, you know, that's, that is what I like to see with these events is we use them as opportunities to build our infrastructure, to create those assets and things that we want as a community, mm-hmm. and to, to go forward looking, you know, be, be forward thinking in this. So what are the assets? What's, what are the infrastructure needs to, to keep the quality of life that we want here? And, and that we will need as we continue to grow, you know, we can't lock the door. We're not going to shut the door on, on the town. So we're going to have to develop and grow. And Lake yeah. Mill Pipeline, the water issue, that's cr- critical for us. You, uh, clearly, you're passionate about your job. Uh, and you have, a, a, you know, I, I think, well-founded belief that it improves the quality of life in here. You don't just do it because you want people to come here. You yeah, know, I mean, that, yeah. that's not the end game here is to get people here because I like people. No, yeah. it, you know, it, it's, it's to improve our quality of life. What would you say then to someone that we talked with Steve uh, McFarland earlier and, and basically he said, well, that's your, your, your department, Kevin, shouldn't even exist, I think is what he's, what he's trying to say. Uh-huh. Because government shouldn't be in, involved in those kind of things. Right. That's basically what he's saying. You know, I think uh, when, when you talk about life, prosperity and, and happiness, right, uh, you, you have to generate those kinds of opportunities and activities for folks. Um, and, and that's the piece of it. So you create an economic environment hmm. that allows that kind of prosperity and growth and, and tourism. We, we've, you know, it's, it's pretty clear when you look at the, the economic dynamics of it, it's bringing revenue and money in from outside to help support the local uh, opportunities. And, and, and it's offsetting the costs for those who live here. We would not have the amenities and services and things that we have in this in this community. We wouldn't have the, the trails and the parks and the you know the arts and the culture and all of those kinds of things without the tourism base that we have. So we're we're utilizing a mechanism mm-hmm. to help create a better life for our residents through you know through that uh, 
that economic process of bringing the money, the dollars from outside in and in, infusing them into our economy. Technically, you could make the argument that uh, the tourism department is a, is a loss leader. You know, I mean, you guys lose money uh, because you don't directly make money. Does that make sense? And yet your job is to make money for the community as a whole. And, and so it's kind of hard to wrap your mind around a little bit, but but – I don't know. I, I kind of feel a little bit against what Steve McFarland was saying, and I still need to read that that whole mm-hmm. script that, mm-hmm. that he sent us. But uh, I like having parks and and trails. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like having good roads, and I don't know if good roads fits in with that or not. Uh, you know, life and, and and all that stuff, and and, and being safe and secure. I know that uh, my vehicle is going to last longer if I don't drive over potholes and dirt roads all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm really I'm torn a little bit on this, sure. but I definitely see the benefits of having a greater Zion tourism because it it improves my life here. Well, and, and you know, I think I would stand with you, Andy, in that, you know, we don't want to just continue to grow and grow and grow government. Right. That's not. The, yeah, that's not the objective here. And but the but the idea is to find the responsible ways to get the services that we need yeah. and, and the opportunities that we want. Uh, and, and do it in a responsible way. You know, we also have the 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 prime objective, I guess, of of stewardship. Star Trek, right? right? <laughs> you know, stewardship uh, yeah. of of the resources that we have. Right? We have a national park that's beautiful, and it's being loved yeah. right now. Um, we have to be careful. We Sometimes to be, love too much. Exactly, yeah. and and so we have to you know find ways to help infuse. The dollars that are needed to protect that resource, to make it manage, you know, manage it, make it make it um, uh, a a treasure for the people that come in the future, right? And I, I think it is a it is a tricky little line because we could say, well, let's just shut the doors because we don't want to ruin that. Mm-hmm. But then you know, you got to go there, but your neighbor didn't, or you you know, somebody who, sure. who says who gets to come and who doesn't, right? That, that resource is a, is a national treasure. It's a public treasure for everyone. And so we have to figure out ways that everyone can enjoy it, right? That they can have that pristine resource available to them to, to see. And, and so, mm-hmm. you know, it, it is, it, there's, there's, there's a lot of, you know, sharp knife edges that we walk along because we 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 certainly don't want to abuse the privilege and opportunity we have to do what we're we're doing um, to ruin something for the future, right? Yeah. We want to make make sure that we preserve it for the future, but we also have to make it available for the future. We can't just lock the door and say, no, nobody else gets to come. I like what you're saying, Kevin. Uh, we've got to get another quick break in. This is just a two-minute break. do want to thank Joe Shoney. He's a local loan consultant who focuses on customer service. And how do I know that? Well, if you go online and look on the uh, website, socialsurvey.me, uh, he has 293 reviews and averages 4.91 out of five stars. That's phenomenal, folks. I don't, I don't get I don't get the, the, that good of grades in my cooking, and I'm a pretty good cook. Anyway, five stars from Jim uh, in St. George. All he said was thank you five stars uh we scroll down a little ways uh, this is james james says uh, five stars we have purchased eight homes or rental properties over the years this second home closing was the best loan approval process we've ever experienced thanks to joe shoney again he averages 4.91 out of five stars phenomenal give him a call today 435-590-6300 or email, email him joe.shoney at nafinc.com we'll be right back Welcome back to the program. This is the Andy Griffin Show. Been a fascinating day of discussions. Uh, 
And uh, we do have a caller on the line. Hopefully not a repeat caller. Yeah, you're on with Annie and Kevin. How are you? Good morning. Morning. What's up? Yeah, I am a repeat caller. You've mentioned my name a couple of times, and so I mm-hmm. felt that... Uh, that, that you want to rebuttal? An opportunity. Well, not really rebuttal, but there's a couple of things that really need to be said. First of all, and Kevin and Andy, I haven't heard you say this so much, but I've heard so many others, the mayor and and uh, uh, Water Conservancy uh, you know, folks have all said this, that those of us that have the opinion that I do, that we want to close the door, we want zero growth, I've never heard anybody say that. I'm not saying that, and I would appreciate it when, when my view is being expressed. I'm not interested in closing the door, but I'm also not interested in having a government agency going out around the world and trying to encourage people to come here. That's the opposite of what I'm saying. We don't Look, people come here organically. I didn't come here because somebody from a tourism agency came and, and said, hey, what a great place. People are going to come here naturally, organically, and that's what I'm in favor of. We don't need to encourage people to come here. There's enough draw here without it, uh, is, is one point. Okay. The other one is, you know, Andy, when you had uh, Amy uh, uh, Winder Knudsen, who's running for governor, yes, she made a point that I think is so important. She talked about government shouldn't, be, shouldn't function based on who has the best lobbyists, and she's absolutely right. But, you know, the Chamber of Commerce and, and all kinds of other people have an interest in, in uh, growing this area. They are a lobby group, and they absolutely have way more power than they should. I want to know, who are the lobbyists for we the people? Because I don't want St. George to own uh, four golf courses and subsidize them. Is that the proper role of government? And, Kevin, I'd like to address that to you. Should the city of St. George own and operate golf courses? Well, I think, uh, you know, in, in the early days when they, the city leaders kind of got together and the people in the area got together and started talking about how, what can we do to um, continue to stimulate the economy here. This is back in the 60s, right, Before, when Dixie Red Hills was, was first implemented. That was the first golf course here in the early 60s. And there was a lot of discussion and debate about, you know, using water. Should you, yeah. yeah should you do this, whatever. Um, but what that did is it... it, it it created an um, uh, an image, a brand, if you will, of of what there is in this area. It changed the image. I mean, this this place was a tough place to carve out an existence in, and people spent years and years and years just trying to just trying to carve out an existence. And what we are the benefactors of are those, are those people's hard work and the vision to say, hey, there's more down here. There's more to this place than just uh, crusty red rock and, and hot desert, right? Yeah. And, and actually, they... that crusty red rock and that desert is the appeal for most of. You've got these most amazing, uh, you know, red mountains and Zion Absolutely. and Bryce, and you've got all. Of... So that's the draw. Well, you that's that's you... the draw, okay. but but you see, without without the other services and facilities, that draw is just an isolated desert, right? And it yeah, was I, I think it was that's that nonsense. It was that way for <laughs> hundreds of years. But until we got air conditioning and roads and golf courses and those water. kinds of amenities, water, until those things came into play, this was not a tourism area. This was not a place that people wanted to be. In fact, the, the quotes of early explorers and early settlers, settlers were, you know, they wanted out. The, you know, one of them said the first thing you, there is to do when you get here is leave, right? Hmm. So it took a lot How of hard... 
it took a lot of hard work and a lot of a lot of grit and fortitude to to create a, a place that we now can boast and brag of and and so we, we part of part of this is just continuing that to to have the service and the opportunities you know we we have there there are 12 golf courses in this area um, we couldn't support them, uh, you know, as locals, we wouldn't be able to play on those 12 golf courses without the visitors, right? Who has to play golf? The, those of us who live here in this <laughs> Not anybody has to play golf, but again, these are amenities, these are benefits of life that make our life worth living and, and worth being here. They, they give us opportunities for our children and for our families and, and all of that. And, you know, golf, we can, we can talk about golf, but we could talk about trails and, and um, other infrastructure projects that, you know, that are, again, funded maybe partially by the residents and partially by the visitors. We, we've created a neat dynamic here that allows us to have the benefits and not pay for them because we're, we're drawing in the, the, you know, the revenue and the, the um, investment from those from the outside. We're down to the last couple of minutes. We've got three minutes left, Kevin. I know there was a couple of items on your agenda you wanted to talk about before we finish up. Yeah, thanks, Andy. And these are just a couple of things. I, I thought, you know, again, talking about the diversity of the lifestyle here and the opportunities, we have two events that are going on this week. They're really diverse. The Arts to Zion Studio Tour. So you're saying that we're not going to, they're very unlikely someone's going to be going to both of these events. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> so the Arts to Zion <clears throat> Studio Tour, which is uh, all of the local artists and, and Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, creative people open up their studios and you can get around and get in and have personal experiences and see the art and see them in in action it's a it's a great little tour go to artsdesign.org for that information and the other one is the winter four by four jamboree oh wow this is bringing uh i think it's 890 four by four vehicles into the area um owners of those vehicles coming from all over the world to go out um spend most of their time in on the uh, trails at sand mountain but there are some other trails around the area too um but there's rock crawling competitions and you can get out there um if you're a local you can take your vehicle out there and ride around there's a trail called the voyeur trail where you can see go around the voyeur voyeur oh (laughs) yeah voyeur it's basically i'll just watch a trail where you can drive to locations and see the rock crawling events and other things that are going on. Wow. It's pretty awesome, but they have guided tours. Go to uh, winter4x4jamboree.com for information on that, and you can, re- you know, you can sign up still. But again, uh, the economic impact of that winter 4x4 uh, event is about 600000 uh, wow. in economic impact just you know this weekend so some some good things going on and again i, li- I like to talk about the diversity um we, when we talk tourism and we talk opportunities and lifestyles of our residents we have it all down here we mm-hmm. it's not it is red rocks and it is landscapes and it is golf and it is arts and culture and it is four by four it's paddle boarding it's you know we have so many things that we can we can dive into and get involved with and and we're lucky to live in a place like we do you know i i uh in all my years of covering especially sports like the summer games and the senior games and stuff i find out that that, that people there's there's strange things that, not strange but different things that people are involved with 
but there's not a lot of time to be involved with more than one or two of them. And, and you know, I, I found, I've come across, the, oh, I'd really like to get into it. That looks like the rock crawling, you know, on, yeah. on, with the four by four. That looks so much fun. But I don't have right now the time or the money to do that kind of thing. Have you ever been a rock crawler kind of guy, Kev? We only have a minute left. Yeah, I've, I've been out on the four by four jamboree. Um, I grew up with a Toyota Land Cruiser. That nice. was my first vehicle I bought. So I, I, we, we used to do the whole eastern, southeastern Utah stuff before it was popular, you know. My dad kind of introduced me to that. I'm not a rock crawler by any stretch of the imagination, but I have definitely been on the hills uh, and, and done some exploring that way. It's, a, it's an awesome way to see the country, and I, I'm glad that we have places in our county that allow for that kind of uh, recreation. Uh, you know, we're not a one-trick pony, right? 20 seconds left. Where are the, where, when and where are those two things again real quick? They start up on uh, Wednesday this week, I think. Um, so, again. Uh, so, a week from today? No, this week. Oh, yep, actually. Oh, okay. Right yeah, now. Yeah, getting started this week. This week okay. So, yeah, yeah, good stuff. All right. And more to come. Thank you, Kevin, for coming in today. It's been an interesting show, and uh, you handled everything with aplomb. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. This is the Andy Griffin Show. We'll be back tomorrow.